0: Hello, my distant friends, and welcome to Bitchin' Brew, a podcast about music, life, and everything in between. My name's Danny Randon, I'm your host, and this is episode number 45. It's the first episode in a little while, but I thank you very much for listening wherever you are in this very strange world we live in at the moment. Uh, the last time I put an episode out, uh, which was the uh, chat I had with Kadim and Faisal from the band Loath, uh, we lived in a world where you could go to gigs, you could go out for a pint, or you could do both of those things simultaneously. You could even reach out and stroke another human's face if you wanted to, provided they're okay with you doing so as well. Um, and obviously since then that has all changed. Um, now I don't want to dwell too much on the on the situation at hand in, in my introduction to this episode. Um but you know, I I thought it would be even weirder to not acknowledge the matter at hand. So this is me acknowledging the matter at hand. Happy? Good. Okay. Moving swiftly on to the reason I think you're all here. Um, so the chat that you're about here was recorded quite a while ago now, before even I recorded the chat with uh, with Kadim and Faisal from Loth. I believe it was in the same week. I think there was a, a sort of mad week, end of January, beginning of February, um, which seems so long ago now, where I did the chat with Dylan from Spanish Love Songs, which you can go back and listen to now. Um, and then this chat, and then just a couple of days later, the chat with uh, the guys from Loathe, all in the space of about one week. And it was, a, it was a mad busy week, but a really, really fun week as well. Um, but, you know, that was before we had any pandemic to worry about and we could still go out to gigs. Uh, my guest on this episode uh, is Chris Laporto, who I'm sure the majority of you will know uh, primarily as the frontman of the alternative rock slash punk, kinda. Um, it's hard to put them in a genre, uh, really, uh, but the band are called Can't Swim. Uh, Can't Swim hail from New Jersey, but they were in the UK as main support for counterparts on their recent uh, headline tour, which came to Southampton not far from me and the home of and HQ on the south coast of the UK, I was very, very excited to uh, have this chat. I'd never met Chris before, I but, you know, I've been a, a huge fan of pretty much everything that Can't Swim have released so far. In fact, not just pretty much everything. I have been a fan of everything they've released, and they've put out four releases uh, in as many years, the most recent of which, of course, was uh, their EP Foreign Language, which came out in uh, in the latter half of 2019 on Pure Noise Records. Uh, Brad and I spoke briefly about that EP at the end of the albums of the year special last year, but I've got to admit, it's not actually an EP I properly dived into until earlier this year, um, until I kind of knew that I was going to be able to see some of the songs live, and then it really got its claws into me. So I was really eager to kind of get stuck in and ask Chris uh, a lot of questions about that EP, and it's very. Uh, collaborative nature, also you know, about how the band have adjusted to playing venues of wildly varying sizes uh, I wanted to ask them about their their kind of work rate, the fact that they have put out, uh, you know, four releases in four years and uh, you know, with Chris personally his, his sort of shifting position uh, within the band, we do go into like a bunch of other stuff as we always do here on Bitch and Brew but um, you know, I was very lucky that that Chris is just a very good dude indeed and, and was a joy to chat to um, as we sat in a, in a Starbucks near the venue that they played that night in Southampton. We're not sponsored by Starbucks, by the way. Uh, I just want to put that out there. It's purely coincidental that we were in a Starbucks. Uh, we were going to record at the venue, so I got coffee for Chris kind of on my way to the venue um and then because they were a little bit behind schedule they'd just driven overnight from germany i believe uh we decided to go and find somewhere else to record the the podcast because it was a little bit loud in the venue what with sound checks and all of that um but because we had sort of takeaway starbucks cups i think the only thing we really could do was to go back to that starbucks um but I just want to put out there: we're not sponsored by Starbucks. Um, we're not sponsored by anyone, for that matter. And if there are any kind of independent coffee, coffee and tea makers that feel, you know, compelled to send me some free stuff, and and beer makers, we love, we love our brewskis on Bitchember as well. Then, then feel free to do that, and I'll and I'll whore myself out with plenty of um, plenty of advertising on the podcast. Um, (laughs) I hope you um, enjoy this podcast featuring me chatting to Chris Laporto from Can't Swim. Uh, That chat is coming up right after I play a clip from their latest EP Foreign Language. Uh, This track is called Power, and it features none other than Frank Carter. Uh, And if you want to hear a little bit more about how that collaboration came about, then stay tuned right here on Bitchin' Brew. We must the evil power. B-b-b-b-power. 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 Yeah, all right, well, absolute pleasure to be uh, joined here in this very sort of blindingly bright branch of Starbucks, <laughs> which hate. I'm sure you'll probably appreciate a little less <laughs> after the overnight drive.
1: Yeah, I mean, it could be... Uh... A combination of a good thing could wake me up a bit with this coffee that I'm drinking.
0: <laughs> We're being terrible people with our disposable paper cups today. I see that. And our single use plastic. Sorry, Chris Laporto, uh, lead singer of Can't Swim. How are you, sir? Doing good,
1: yeah. Uh, a couple of days into this tour, playing in Southampton, England,
0: having a coffee with my friend Danny here. <laughs> Life could be worse. Well, cheers to you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, welcome back to Southampton. It's a city that, you know, on your. Fair few visits to the UK Over the last few years You have been kind of Frequenting How does it feel To be back on a Slightly familiar territory Yeah man It's been cool We did the uh, The
1: Creeper tour Came down here And I know those guys Are actually from down here mm-hmm. um, Yeah England is one of our Favourite places To come visit mm-hmm. Southampton Seemed like a place to To come back to The territory
0: of uh, Grandmaster Ricky Bates I have heard that (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean Looking back at You know Not to make this too regional But um, uh, All the times That Can't Swim Have appeared In Southampton And all the touring lineups That you've kind of Been a part of It's been It's been very very varied You've appeared alongside A wide variety of bands And In a lot of different environments I mean When you think about The fact that you've been here With everyone from Boston Manor To like real friends Mm -hmm. And then You know Up to that Guildhall show with Creeper, which yeah. was fantastic, um, and now you're back in town with counterparts. Are you, are you quite conscious of the fact that you know uh, when you when you appear with a lot of different bands, do you do you kind of amplify certain elements of of your sound or your show or your presentation to kind of fit the fit the mood, fit the crowd?
1: <laughs> sure, we joke about it sometimes. Like, you know, maybe we shouldn't play one of our slower songs because got tomatoes thrown at you um <laughs> but yeah we always try to just do our thing regardless mm. and i think um the music itself is uh the l- lens to that and that's why we get these types of different tours yeah i think in the songs themselves they uh you know have all these elements that creeper counterparts and boston manor hall share so yeah uh yeah it's one of our favorite things about doing can swim is that we kind of fall into a lot of different mm-hmm. zones where you know you don't have to tour of the world with the same few bands it's, it's nice to be uh diverse i suppose in yeah their, in your music um but yeah it's cool definitely gets you in front of a lot of different types of kids yeah um in these last couple nights in germany uh you know kids i don't recognize counterparts kind of fans mm. you know checking it out maybe for the first time and that's a a great way to get your name out there so any familiar faces as
0: well for sure yeah, I think that's why we got invited on the tour. <laughs> <laughs> so you're right, slap bang in the middle of that Venn diagram, really, between all of those bands. Yeah,
1: yeah. Mm. Uh, not consciously. I think mm-hmm. that's just kind of what came out of yeah, the music yeah, yeah. and when we write, when we make a record, you know, uh, a lot of different types of people
0: like it, hopefully. I guess that's the goal of any band. Yeah, yeah
1: that's what seems to be true to what we've been doing. So. Mm.
0: I mean, like I said, the last time you were here, you were playing the, the Guildhall yeah, uh, which is kind of like the jewel in the in the crown of sure. Southampton's many varied music venues. Yeah, um, but you know, if we can travel maybe across the pond uh, for my next question, and you were recently uh, towards the end of last year on tour with A Day to Remember. Yep, yeah. um, and that was. Correct me if I'm wrong. That kind of put can't swim in those arenas and amphitheaters and auditoriums, big big venues essentially. Oh yeah. For the first time, Um, how pivotal was that experience for you? Yeah, it was uh, definitely a little jarring in the beginning. (laughs) It's like
1: I think the first show was in Boise, Idaho, and it was like this huge hockey arena, you know, hundreds and hundreds of seats and. Um, but yeah it's funny it's one of those things you just kind of get used to and it just mm. became like a nine to five you walk into another arena in some random city and oh, you know this is where the guitars go and everybody was very nice to us so it, it felt very much like a, a family and a home like right off the bat Yeah. then you caught yourself a couple of nights where I was like wow there's a ton of people here
0: <laughs> um, you can swear by the way oh, it's true yeah. yeah yeah it's true <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so yeah it, it was definitely uh, an experience that I didn't think we would ever really get um, A Day to Remember were just, we're just fans of the music And fans of the band And mm. they were nice enough to invite us Good guys Yeah, really nice gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally.
0: A couple of years ago I've, I've only had one encounter With A Day to Remember before It was a couple of years ago At the um, Kerrang Awards Oh, nice um, Where Because I had various acquaintances I managed to kind of You know, get Some uh, You know, kind of get my way in Kind of helping out On sure. the night um, What i Kind of hasten to add is that I was the the whole theme of the evening was like occult themed and I had to dress in like a as like a druid and stand by the awards table and hand out these big metal K awards Um, and they saw me kind of walking around backstage because they were playing the awards night they were playing the show that evening and um, they kind of saw me walking around in my robes and kind of stopped me and was asking me about it but I would basically keep my head bowed for the whole night not say a word not move apart from handing the envelopes and the awards out and so when they went to go and collect their award for I don't know like best international band or something I think it was Kevin from the band uh, just went to fist bump me knowing full well that you were, I, I couldn't move and I couldn't do that. I had to just turn him down as soon as I got off that stage. I had to like run back and be like, Dude, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't take
1: it personally. That's amazing. Druids don't fist bump, yeah, <laughs> all in a day's work, I suppose.
0: So, do you, do you feel like you kind of picked up any transferable kind of like knowledge or skills um, from that arena run? Because... Kind of, you know, when, you, when you're saying about it's, you know, like family, when you kind of get to know each other, there is that kind of relevant degree of, like, intimacy and community there, despite yeah. the fact that they're massive venues. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the dynamic is very different to, uh, you know, quote-unquote, work a crowd yeah. of 250 people, is what, I guess, Cansman's you know, when we headline, that's about what we play. And then, you know, in Minneapolis, there was like 8,500 people there, you know, so (laughs) just your stage banter is a little bit different, you you can't like single certain things out, you know, you have to kind of say these grandiose statements because it's traveling to 8,000 years. Any hecklers? It's almost so large that it's hard to even tell. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure there was. (laughs) I'm sure there was. (laughs) But stage is so high that it's hard to to see. Um, Yeah, other than just yeah, figuring out how you load into an arena and uh, make your amps work in, in, in humongous <laughs> places. Other than that, it was basically the same. Just yeah. a fun
0: game of where does this cable right. go? Right. Yeah. <laughs> or how can,
1: we had this big thing that one of our one of our things just couldn't even reach us. That's how far away it had to be. So we had to buy this like extender. That's how. Yeah. It was. It's quite an eye-opening experience. Yeah.
0: Have you had any slip-ups yet where you kind of got disorientated? You've realized like, oh, I'm not on a stage that's that big this time, I'm going to end up in the crowd. Oh yeah,
1: we walked into the first show after that, we were like, oh yes, the old familiar friend of a (laughs) bar scene. (laughs) But it's all in good fun, I think we, we find it as a blessing to be able to do Anything honestly with our music, but mm-hmm. the fact that we get to do all these different avenues is it's pretty awesome. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about your kind of uh, your live show. It's, it's been—I think the last time I did on Swim was that Creeper, Creeper show at the Guild Hall. Yeah. Uh, last time that you were in town. Um, and since then, you've kind of transitioned. You've you've put down the guitar. That's right. And, and you're pretty much doing vocals for the whole show now, purely vocals. Yep, yep. Is that a, a, quite a new thing for you? Is that something you did in previous bands? How's that transition been um,
1: for you? No, I had no experience with it before. Um, I never was a singer in any other band other than Can't Swim. So it all kind of feels like a like a school project of like figuring out what works best mm. and for all the guys too. You know, we started this band like kind of running so. Um, yeah, at one point we had three guitar players, including myself, and we kind of thought it was a little bit redundant. And <laughs> the the singing and playing guitar thing is quite difficult. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we just and we thought it would add to the live show. I could like interact with the kids more, and mm. uh, yeah, it was a bit daunting in the beginning but now that i've done it i probably will never go back
0: yeah it's less gear to worry about exactly that's so why i can sit here and talk to you and have this <laughs> coffee and not have to worry about check. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah did you um? Did you initially struggle to figure out what to do with your hands? Because that's yeah, because did, did you? Am I right in thinking you kind of uh, started out as a drummer? Yeah, um, yeah. not not necessarily in Cold Swim, but yeah, you know, I, I'm a drummer too. Nice. So I've always wanted to. I've always known what to do with my hands, yeah, but you're when you're, you're a singer,
1: in. yeah, I got nothing to do with yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it, that's definitely one of one of many challenges <laughs> of uh, being a singer in a band, but. You know, you just do a little, little jig, a little dance. Yeah,
0: yeah. Just keep it moving. See what, see what the impulse creates. See what it works? Yeah. Um, well, look, we have to, uh, at the risk of sounding like a chat show host, we have to talk about foreign language. Your sure. latest EP, because sure. it is fantastic. Oh, thank you. Um, it's your fourth release mm-hmm. in as many years. Yeah. Um, not including all the kind of bonus tracks that kind of came out. Yeah. From uh, uh, like post fail you again. Um. Is that work rate a kind of core value of Can't Swim? Um, Yeah,
1: I mean I think some bands obviously go about everything differently and I think a lot of bands uh, have different opinions on on something like that. Uh, We enjoy putting out music. I specifically probably like it the most about being (laughs) in a band. I like writing and getting in the studio so Pure Noise, our record label, is on the same track as us, they, they like putting out Can't Swim albums, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's something that I do think we do a little bit more often than most bands in this genre, but hmm. uh, that theme is to continue, we're already thinking about recording again, so, uh, yeah, it's something that I think we like to do, in this day and age where streaming and people's attention spans is, as much as an Instagram scroll, I yeah. think it's... Uh,
0: think it's important to, to Vine, keep it fresh. Vine killed
1: it. Yeah, Vine. Yeah. Destroyed the world.
0: Now, now it's TikTok. Yes. Which I don't even have.
1: I got to get TikTok. I heard it's all the rage.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm just going to, like, yeah. lose my mind slowly. Yeah. I've definitely yeah. lost
1: my mind already. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. I can TikTok.
0: Can't lose what you've already yeah, exactly. lost. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, uh, Foreign Language came out with the intention of just, like, yeah, keep putting stuff out and mm-hmm. maybe putting two LPs out in a is a little insane so we were like oh why don't we just do like a like a short EP yeah. and that's what happened. Was it part of
0: a bigger thing beforehand then?
1: No I wrote like a couple of the demos I had like three of them I sent it to Pure Noise they really liked it they thought it was, it was like a cool diversion of, of, of what we've been doing then yeah. like, oh, why don't we just put it out why don't we just do an EP and I said sure yeah. and then we wrote a few
0: more picked the best six and then that was that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind of the, the dynamic of the EP uh, and the, and the sort of overall sonics of it do kind of reflect that yeah. you know, kind of snap decision yeah. a little bit. You know, yeah. it's not necessarily, I don't want to call it like a departure from the Can't Swim sound that we've, we've come to know from the yeah. know, preceding three records, but it's definitely more of an exploration of some stuff that you've dabbled in yeah. in the past a little bit. Oh. Um, do you feel like that's a direction you kind of have been slowly working towards over the last few records or was it more impulsive than that
1: you know i think i try to look at like releases sometimes as like one thing you know and i think with can't swim our goal has always been to put out things that we like and and kind of make these little power plays so uh yes like you said i think it does have uh elements of our previous stuff but i can't promise you that the next song we put out will sound anything like that i think we always kind of just whatever i'm writing and whatever the guys are feeling at the time is what we like to put out and you know failure again was a little bit more singer songwriting and this 2 won't pass was a little bit more sad and like heavier or whatever you know whatever these adjectives get thrown around but um it's all very impulsive. It's like, these are the songs I've kind of been writing, and then we get in a room and it's like, yeah, why don't we just do it? Why, why would we try to manipulate that song to fit with our previous stuff when we like it the way it is? And that's how foreign language kind
0: of came out the way it did. Yeah. It's such a uh, stereotypical question, but I sure. think it's a stereotypical question for a reason. Um, what kind of uh, artists and records were you listening to to kind of uh, take points of inspiration? Sure. Like you said, I think punk and hardcore
1: is what I started out mm-hmm. playing. Um, the first drum beats and stuff that I learned were from old hardcore records and stuff, so... It's like a little bit of an homage to that, you know. Mm-hmm. All of us grew up playing in bands like that. And not, not to say that I think the record is like a hardcore record, because it's not like I'm singing, yeah, it's yeah, very yeah, like exactly. melodic still, but... Um, yeah, I just think it's uh, all the influences that we had growing up and, and that we still like now. And, Uh, And this tour, I see the same, you know, I see kids that grew up listening to Minor Thread or whatever and took 15 years and now they're (laughs) counterparts, you know, it's all coming from the same place with all the heavy music.
0: Well, like I was saying earlier, it is a very immediate-sounding EP. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, aside from like some embellishments which make it sound really big, yeah, uh, perfect for those you know arenas that you'll be hitting up hopefully soon in the future. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> uh, did the did the production reflect that at all? Because like at the at the core of it, it sounds like something that could have been tracked live. Yeah, those embellishments totally aside.
1: Yeah, the demos that I had were super like that. It was like very like. My intention was to make it sound like it was recorded on a cassette tape, <laughs> um, and Pure Noise loved the songs, and they were saying like, "Hey, maybe we should get you in in, in the studio with somebody proper to maybe, you know, completely not alienate your fans yeah. that are used to like hearing these sonic yeah. <laughs> mixes at least." So, um, which I'm very happy that we did. I think it made a, a cool, unique blend of like a, a, a song that sounds like it could be played in some basement somewhere, but recorded properly. Yeah. Um, John Markson, who who did the record, uh is a wizard and, and a punk dude, but also very, very, very uh, proficient in his yeah. recording arts.
0: Was it your first time working with him? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, um, he did Drug Church, on Pure Noise, yeah. and oh, that's a, yeah, it's a great, record. great, great yeah, record. Yeah, isn't I know.
0: It?
1: So yeah, Pure Noise. I didn't, I wasn't familiar with his work, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I loved the, the Drug Church record, oh, yeah, but yeah, I didn't know John did it. And uh, yeah, I went. He actually his studio is in Brooklyn, is which is where I live, and just took the subway and we had a chat and I was like, "This is the guy." And yeah, a, couple, a month later we got into the studio and recorded the songs.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of um, it's driven by. I don't necessarily want to use the term defined by because it, it isn't, <laughs> but it's definitely driven forward by uh, a kind of multitude of, of guest vocal appearances. Yeah. You know. you you list them off it's like you know Spencer from Trash Talk and Alan Lazara which is insane and then uh, Drew from Straight From The Path um, and one other one which I won't say just yet because I want to talk a little bit more about it in a bit British audiences will understand (laughs) Um, how was the process of collaborating especially in the digital age
1: Uh, yeah it was really cool every uh, every guy had like a little different of a story I used to play in Trash Talk so Spencer is just a good friend of mine. I
0: yeah, had no, no idea.
1: Yeah, before Can't Swim started, I was playing drums in Trash Talk.
0: Oh, shit.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, and actually started Can't Swim while I was touring with them and started right. doing Can't Swim full-time. So, yeah, Spencer was a good friend of mine, and when we were recording uh, Trash Talk, I had, had, actually had a show in Brooklyn, mm. and um, me and Spencer were just keeping in touch. I was like, oh, dude, like, if you're free, you know, in those couple of days, you just come by the studio, like, mess around. And, yeah, yeah. Um, Drew, the same way, I worked on one of uh, his side project bands. I sang on one of their songs, and Drew was in Long Island at the time. Right. And it was an hour drive, which I thanked him very much for taking, and (laughs) he came in the studio, and each guy kind of didn't really know what part they were going to do, and I knew there was, like, the six songs to pick from, and, Mm. um, and then, yeah, Adam Lazar, he... Did it remotely, he has a little home studio right. in his house in North Carolina, so we just got on the phone, I was like, hey, why don't you do this, do like the harmony here, and he was uh, very prompt and did it very quickly, yeah. and they came out great, I think it's awesome. Seems
0: wow. like a true gen, I've never had the pleasure yeah, of Yeah, super, super them. nice
1: guy, very down to earth, he <laughs> just, uh, he was sometimes on the phone seemed more excited to do it than I was excited to have him, so, you know, he was, which is, should not be the case. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, all of them. Yeah, that's kind of, them. you know, it's
0: kind of the yeah. Taken Back That's center, what I'm right? saying, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was all, all a blast to have them. And obviously your vocals on the record as well. Um, you've, you've always kind of had a, a, a kind of a harshness yeah. to your voice. Yeah. But you're taking, obviously, the melodic parts aside, a much harsher vocal register. Um, did those kind of guest vocals, did the presence of those guest vocals offer support to you in any way to kind of Take, those, take yeah. those steps towards becoming a, a slightly sort of harsher uh, sure.
1: vocalist. I mean, yeah, uh, sadly enough, I can't cram four of those dudes in the band because they seem to be busy with other things. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to take on their parts every night live. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. I've definitely YouTubed some tutorials of how to do it properly. Yeah, yeah, um, And yeah, I just think there were things on the record that I necessarily couldn't do, especially the part that Spencer does in Filthy Rich. Mm. That whole bridge section was always kind of a question mark for me. And then as soon as Spencer jumped on it, I was like, that is what it needed. Um, But yeah, like you said, it was very cool to see people that I admire and then doing something on my song is is a a pretty cool feeling. Mm. Well,
0: there's one uh, guest vocalist I've kind of uh, refrained from mentioning at Mm -hmm. this point because I do have... A bunch of questions sure. um about the the song power featuring frank carter you got it right um yeah. a sort of institution <laughs> in, in uh, british heavy music yeah and and worldwide now especially with his work in frank carter and the rattlesnakes yeah. um how, how did that collaboration come about how did you um did you know frank from yeah.
1: stores? yeah i've known frank for a very very long time almost a decade now wow. um our manager uh, used to tour manage Gallows when they would come to the states, and I would just help out on the tour. I would either be the driver or get the merch for them, and we always just kind of kept in touch whenever he would come to the states. And Hodge needed a right hand man, you know, which kind of became Frank's right hand man. And um, he was always very thankful. He's obviously, yeah, he's, he's one of the coolest dudes ever. He's, he's very pleasant and then uh, very nice guy to be around. And um, yeah, Hodge had sent him the song. Just to say, like, hey, man, like, you know, this band I'm managing, he, he's known about Can't Swim just because of we've played shows with, right. with Rattlesnakes, and uh, Frank was like, oh, man, actually, I really like this this song, Power, on this EP, uh-huh. and um, our manager was like, would you, you know, want to sing something on it if you yeah. have the time? And he was like, oh, I'd love to. I was like, well, that would be great. <laughs> you know, like, I've been a fan of almost everything he's ever done artistically yeah. and musically, and... Um, he was super busy. We weren't sure if we were going to be able to get it done. He was yeah. on tour with the
0: Foo Fighters, I believe.
1: Yeah, I yeah. was.
0: I was uh, yeah, I saw him opening their uh, their London Stadium mm-hmm. show with the Foo's. Awesome. And it was just amazing seeing him walk out in his like Prada suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Very just, flashy man. like literally sing that last chorus to Juggernaut Wall, yeah. balancing on his head on top of the crowd. And he just made a stadium show so look cool. like he was playing to, like, a packed-out joy yeah. or something. That's awesome. He nearly took my two front teeth out, actually, yeah. Yeah. with a mic on, um, on um. the Rattlesnake's first tour when they played the Us just down the road. Wow. And, yeah, yeah they played fangs twice. Amazing. If you've got fangs, then sink them in. He rams the mic into my mouth, nearly takes my two front teeth out. <laughs> They're there still, thank God. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> um, who Whose idea was it for Frank to return to that... Almost, you know, gallows style yeah. vocal that he, he does on the, on the yeah. We just sent
1: him uh, the version that I had, and then we sent him an instrumental of the song. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Hey, man, take your pick. Just like, yeah, do whatever you want. You want to reiterate some of the lyrics I wrote. You want to just write your own damn thing. Like, <laughs> I thought, you know, I, I would just love to see what you do with it." And. uh, Yeah, he just sent over a one-take voice memo, basically. They did it into a microphone, but it was in the green room, uh, I'm assuming that tour. Yeah, and that
0: that turns up in the video, doesn't it? Yeah, that got Black and white. Yeah, he
1: just probably is a couple hours before playing his show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just does it all in one take, and me and John were in the studio at the time in Brooklyn, and we get it, and we we both fell in love with it immediately, and we put it in the track, sent it back to Frank. He was like, I love it, and I was like... Done.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't need vocal rest. No, I'll just you no, know, I do this yeah. vocal bit. And yeah, he's uh,
1: but yes, I agree. It is more reminiscent of his work with me. Yeah, yeah, and... yeah. yeah, I guess this is where he thought he would take it.
0: You know what? It's it's um, it's amazing and equally frustrating at the moment because uh, you know as we sit here, um, it's probably been and gone at this point. But this Saturday, I'm going up to London to nice. see. Frank and the Rattlesnakes play Alexander Palace, which is like kind of that first move into headline the arenas on their own merit. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people have still denied him that True. progression into that swaggering, stylish rock star that he is now, because they're all like, Oh, I wish he was still doing gallows. Right, know? right, right. Which is just insane. Yeah. Because you know, he's he's Possibly. That, well, no, not even possibly. It's the most successful he's ever been with this project. Of, of course, yeah. yeah. People like anything,
1: you know. People like to gravitate to whatever they like to like, mm. and, and when people do things differently, you're going to get scrutiny, but yeah. knowing Frank, I, I don't think that really gets to him, even no. for one second no, of his stick. he does day. not give he a does, not give. Fun,
0: does he? <laughs> Great Britain is still a modern masterpiece, though. Mm-hmm. Fantastic <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, has, has this um, Has the whole process Around foreign language And all these collaborations Has that opened you up More towards the idea Of collaborating oh, yeah. In the future? Yeah
1: I think uh, rock and roll music Is kind of late to the party With that stuff If, yeah, you, if yeah. you look to hip hop And uh, pop music You know mm-hmm. It's almost every Dang song on the radio It's yeah, like yeah. You know Whoever Katy Perry featuring Whoever You know And yeah I think for the listeners It's exciting It's like uh, you know, like you look at a movie and it's not one actor, you, you're, ex- you're excited about how these actors collaborate with each other yeah. and how they work off each other's energy. I think music should follow soon to that. And I think a lot of the other genres are seeing success with that, and <laughs> um, yeah, I would love to, I can yeah. find Sons of bitches that want to be involved in canceling music, I will happily take them. <laughs>
0: it's kind of like a, a more mainstream approach to perhaps like that old thing of like hardcore split seven inches. Yeah. And like, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of happened in extreme music. Uh, you know in the last couple of years you think about like code orange collaborating yeah. with jpeg mafia yeah. and you know electronic like bands. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah. electronic bands from health uh, the sorry the electronic band health doing like tons of collaborations yeah. and stuff like that yeah so maybe it's just that kind of step up to yeah taking that to the next level and
1: i just think it's one of the things that we like about doing the band all the people you meet and the bands mm. you play with that you, you admire and you like so, why not make it on a record
0: do you do you have a, a collaboration hit list or, or a oh, wish wow. list i should say to be fair not to sound like
1: a fanboy but foreign language definitely checked off a bunch of them you know <laughs> i i like i said i always was a big fan of frank um i grew up loving taking rec sunday uh i love what drew does with stray from the path and trash talk was a very big uh
0: very close
1: to your heart yeah very, a, a big part of Why Can't Swim does it the way they do it they taught me a lot about touring especially over here I've never been over here they, they gave me a chance to tour over here and, mm. and open my eyes to a lot of things um, yeah so having Spencer was amazing so. uh,
0: like going back to that Trashcock thing how, um, what kind of uh, period of time were you in Trashcock for because I've literally only seen Trashcock once and it was like 12 years ago Yeah They've been doing the
1: band For a long time Yeah yeah yeah. I was only touring with them For about a year Before Can Swim started Mm -hmm. So 2015 Oh okay And then I guess Can Swim Put out their record In 2016 so
0: You know what They're they're kind of uh, You know Pushing forward that collaboration thing yeah. in heavy music, you oh, yeah. know, considering all their, uh, their work with too. our future, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, which is you know some of the best stuff on their uh, on their last day. I, I certainly agree. Um, so going, going from kind of the sonics of the record to looking more thematically uh, at foreign language, it's much more outward looking than your than your previous records. Um, was that kind of something, you know, looking at the, the themes of, uh, you know, politics and police brutality and capitalism yeah. and, you know, the, the structures of authority, was that something that came very naturally for you as a songwriter and, a, and as a lyricist? Um, though I've never, like,
1: dabbled in any of that stuff mm. uh, with Can't Swim, I always like to think of, like, lyrics and the music should kind of, like, live in harmony with each other. And, I mean, you can, I'm not saying you can't, but... To write an acoustic song about, you know, a cop beating somebody up is just a little strange for yeah, yeah, me. So there was a lot of things on my mind, like anybody has things on their mind. Um, I'm just lucky enough with Can't Swim I get an outlet and, and I wanted to sing about these things and I just thought the music should cater to it and that's how the, the EP kind of came about. They're all like specific thing, things that happened to me like Shoot was like, a, you know, an actual night of like thoughts, like I got pulled over by the cops, you know, this rush of crazy thoughts go through your head um, filthy rich is something that happened between a family member and mine so yeah it's all coming from like a a personal place Mm -hmm. but it's not about breaking up and families and stuff Um, but yeah it was uh, I think it's important for any artist to like challenge themselves like that like not write the same or paint the same picture over and over again so uh, something that I would like to continue to do you know yeah. keep exploring these different avenues well I
0: was going to ask what kind of impact do you think the, the kind of the sonic exploration and the, and the, and the, and the lyrical exploration right. of foreign language do you think that will have or maybe already has had on your songwriting process moving forward yeah totally
1: it, it gives you a little bit more um, you know a little more confidence to, to, to walk down these certain things and with anything you're going to expect to alienate a few people like we talked about Frank mm-hmm. um Kids thought of Can Swim as like a breakup emo band, which is great, and yeah, I think yeah. our albums previous did that. Um, and if that's what that person is looking for out of Can Swim, then probably don't want to put on foreign language, you know. <laughs> but it's all the same to us. It's um,
0: maybe, maybe like prick, right? Yeah, no, if yeah, if it's some, like an Some breakup. angst But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: well, yeah, like I, like you were saying, for future releases, it's it's
0: nice to have a wider. Mm. range now to pick from what we can pull off. And if I may, like, try and interpret <laughs> some of the things that you've said in this very interview. Sure. Yeah, you know, you've kind of uh, been referring to, you know, this, this thing's good for Can't Swim and Can't Swim is done for this. Do you, uh, do you do a lot of sort of sitting down and writing songs and kind of going, maybe that's not for Can't Swim, maybe that's for something else. So Certainly. Got other projects kind of in the peripherals?
1: So... It's something that I've toyed with uh, I, I like to have the identity of Can't Swim It's like it does feel like home And it's mm-hmm. something that I, I work um, Very hard at Even though it's incredibly enjoyable it, you know, It is work <laughs> I, uh, I think a lot of artists will do that Like if they think a couple of songs Don't really work They put it under a different name I'm not really concerned with that And that's why I think foreign language did yeah. come out as Can't Swim So looking forward Uh, I think I'm just going to do whatever I want You know, I I look at this as like my project It is my identity Instead of it just be called Crystal Porto It's just called Can't Swim So if the next album is me with a harmonica And and, and a polka suit Like, that's just what it's going to be Polka suit? Who knows?
0: Yeah, are we going like big polka dots? Or like, are we going like
1: little I think maybe a, a lot of small ones Yeah, yeah I like like Story Night.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I was going to say we're well, maybe looking forward to the Chris Laporto SoundCloud rap EP. Could be. Soon. Could be. I think all of the guys in my band like a lot of different types
1: of music, mm-hmm. and we would never want to do a specific thing because I think we would get incredibly bored.
0: What What's the Van Stereo like? Is it a real kind of
1: It's, a, it's quite a, an eclectic mix. Yes, <laughs> it could be death metal, or it could be a lot of SoundCloud rappers. Mm. You know.
0: So. Um, so, uh, just uh, just before we go today, sure. um, when will we next see you back in the UK or is it, yeah, uh, not... is it next time? Because bearing in mind, you know, Foreign Language was 2019, it's 2020 now, I mean, we've got to yeah. see at least four albums and yeah. like seven EPs yeah, and a lot two of live albums <laughs> soon, you guys.
1: Yeah, no plans yeah. yet. Um, there has been talk of a, of a doing a quote unquote world tour. Um, <laughs> that might even be at the top of 21. I am not sure. We were just over here, like we were talking earlier about 2000 Trees, yeah. which was only a few months ago. It was back
0: in July. Okay. Um, yeah. Best place on the planet. It is, by the way, very low. We're not
1: sponsored, but no.
0: <laughs> we are we are strong indoors. Uh,
1: one of my 2000 Trees. A very good day. Um, <laughs> so no, no plans yet for England, but hopefully soon.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, when that does happen again, we'll look forward to seeing you. We'll welcome you with open arms. Thank you. You and your polka dot shirt. (laughs) The small polka dots, of course. Tiny. (laughs) Chris, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, you, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, there you go. I very much hope you enjoyed my chat with Chris Laporto from Can't Swim. Uh, If you haven't done so already, go and check out Can't Swim's latest EP, Foreign Language. Uh, The track that you heard on either side of of that chat uh, is called Power. And uh, like we spoke about extensively during that chat, it does feature uh, Frank Carter, the man himself, the British institution that he is... Sorry, I've suddenly... Uh, tripped over my words and forgotten how to say the word institution. Uh, just going to have a sip of my coffee here. Uh, I, I hope you're all doing very well in isolation, by the way, or as well as you can be. I'm doing fine, by the way. I know it's been a little bit of a delay in putting this episode out, but I've just been kind of keeping myself occupied with some other things and just kind of... Exploring, exploring lots of exciting things while I've got some time off of work and uh, now I'm sat here talking to you, uh, trying to fill out the time while I take a sip of my coffee, sat in my bedroom in Bitchin HQ on the south coast of the UK, uh, having made sort of a makeshift desk, uh, taking the drawers out of a sort of a chest of drawers in my bedroom and sort of set up on there. But it seems to do the job and now I'm going to sip my coffee so that I can actually talk properly and... I could maybe do a little bit of ASMR for you. N- not that anyone wants that. I'm going to I'm going to sip this coffee off mic a second. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Um, yeah, so where was I? Oh, right, yes. Uh, can't swim. Their latest EP is called Foreign Language, and it is out now on Pure Noise Records. Um, I would recommend their, their whole back catalogue, to be honest. If this is your first um, encounter with Can't Swim, I think you know they they have a, a really solid back catalogue so far, um, and you know really sort of varied, considering the kind of scene that they they sit. Um, within, you know, we we kind of spoke about that throughout the, the course of the podcast. I'm wary of, of repeating myself, but really, I don't think you can go wrong with any of the releases that they put out so far. And uh, I would obviously plug uh, upcoming tour dates, that bit at the end of the the podcast where I said, when can we see you next back in the UK? I wanted to keep that in because it kind of went off into, into a nice little tangent, something about polka dots. Um, but I, you know, I obviously can't plug upcoming tour dates under the under the current circumstances what I will do is I'll put links uh, in the description of this episode uh, to can't swim's sort of social uh, platforms so that you can see tour announcements yourself hopefully in the not too distant future and I will also pop a link uh, to their official uh, store if you if you have the money to spare. Um, obviously they're, they're one of the, the many bands around the world right now who are really at a disadvantage through not being able to tour. Um, so if you do have any money to, to spare, please go and support them, uh, while they can't get out on the road, go buy some merch, go buy, uh, some records. I believe they're selling their own face masks as well, which, uh, you know, is, is pretty is pretty awesome Um, Thank you to Chris for joining me especially considering he'd uh, not got much uh, sleep the night before during his overnight drive from mainland Europe I think it was Germany Um, but thank you very much to Chris an absolute gent um, and really enjoyed uh, chatting with him and if you are listening Chris or indeed any of the other members of Can't Swim I hope that you are all keeping well in isolation. I wish you well at this time. Um, Thanks also to Hayley and Holly at the Good as Gold group for for arranging the the chat that you just heard oh so, so, so long ago. But um, I wanted to segue a little bit while I'm on the subject of uh, the Good as Gold group, who some of you may or may not be familiar with considering, you know, bearing in mind your uh, your knowledge of the uh, British music industry and the companies within it. Um, so if you're not familiar with who Good As Gold are, uh, they are a sort of PR... Uh, well, they're, they're a music company. They do all sorts of things like PR and live events, and they work with... Uh, a lot of the bands that you've you've heard on this podcast over the years, uh, they've been long time supporters of Bitchin Brew, uh, allowing me to do you know allowing me to do my thing backstage at events like Two Thousand Trees and Arc Tangent, and always being very obliging whenever their their artists are uh, kind of close to me and let me go and go and chat to them and have a lovely time all round. Really, uh, they're just really good people who kind of represent um, and are kind of allied with uh, even, you know, just a vast number of artists who, as I mentioned earlier, under current circumstances cannot tour Um, now, you don't need me to kind of go into this massive spiel about you know how much artists rely on touring for the majority of what little revenue one can generate from from being in an independent band in 2020. Obviously, touring is a is a huge part of um, of a band's income. Bearing in mind that you know so few people buy physical records uh, these days, and uh, the the kind of uh, the profit margins from streaming are quite minimal, so they really rely on touring and with uh with COVID 19 uh they uh have obviously had that taken away from them and uh you know not just the bands but a lot of people that that bring live music to us to enjoy are, are out of work at the moment you know venues and crew and i mean yeah it's um it's it's a little bit of a scary time obviously for the uk live music industry and the people that inhabit it at the moment um but one thing that kind of has been reassuring at this time is just seeing the outpouring of love and support that I've seen for these people at the moment, and the Good as Gold Group, uh, to bring it back to what I was talking about, um, are you know one of one of the many uh, collectives of people, just one of the many great groups of people that are are doing something really significant to support the UK independent music industry at this time. They have launched a fundraising initiative called the Tours That Never Were. Uh, they are selling a variety of merch that they designed in collaboration with with um, Alad Phillips, who is the uh, deputy art editor at uh, Kerrang! magazine, if I'm not mistaken. Sorry, if I got your title wrong, Alad. And awesome merchandise as well are involved in this project, uh, for which all proceeds are going towards underground UK-based bands, as well as the crew members who are all out of a job at the moment, and a variety of charities who will inevitably be supporting uh, those individuals as well. I will pop a link to the online store uh, for the tours that never were in the description of this episode. Uh, so if you have any money to spare at the moment, go and buy uh, one of their t-shirts or a tote bag or one of their awesome uh, tour poster style screen prints. I, I you know I love the, the, the designs that they they've kind of put together. They feature a lot of the bands that I love. And um, many of those bands have been on the podcast. Just to list off a few, you've got the likes of uh, Black Peaks, Conjurer, Cult Dreams, Employed to Serve, Haggard Cat, Gender Roles, Ithaca, Orchards, Palm Reader, The St. Pierre Snake Invasion and many, many more involved in this project. So I just wanted to shout out uh, the Goodest Gold group who are just as good as their name suggests. Uh, So, you know, big up to them for setting up the tours that never were. And like I said, I'll pop a link in the description of this episode so you can go and check that out and support that initiative. Um, Until next time, uh, thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Bitchin' Brew. Uh, If this is indeed your first time listening to the podcast, uh, then don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Anchor, Acast, wherever you get your podcasts really. Um, I'm working on putting together some some new episodes which will come around sooner rather than later hopefully. Obviously if you're a long-time listener of the show you'll know that I very much prefer to do Face-to-face interviews. You know, I don't like to do a whole lot of stuff over the phone uh, if it is if it is kind of possible. But of course, face-to-face interviews are not possible at the moment, so. I'm kind of working hard uh, to bring you some uh, some new episodes uh, while we're still under under lockdown under quarantine. Um, so do make sure that you are subscribed. Um, it would it would mean the absolute world at the moment. I hope I can bring some some positivity to your day. Uh, we're working on doing a lot of positive uh angles towards the the current situation it's not all going to be doom and gloom um and of course if you are listening on apple Podcasts, don't forget to leave a review uh, that stuff really helps towards independent podcasts like bitch and brew and uh, you know whatever platform you're using to stream this podcast don't forget to share it uh, with all your friends on social media, um, and, and you know, tag tag me on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook. All the links in the description of this episode, of course. By the way, there's a lot of links uh, in the description of this episode. Um, but you know, that's uh, that's pretty much uh, all, folks, for this episode, episode number forty-five. Of Bitchin' and Brew, the podcast about music, life, and everything in between. I have been your host, Danny Randon, um, and I'll leave you with the same message I leave you at the end of every episode, which seems, you know, even even more poignant at this time. Uh, and that is to be loud, be kind, and be bitching. But most of all, do all of those things while you're at fucking home. Do all that. Cheers. Bye.